0: Hello, my beautiful, wonderful, supportive, enigmatic podcast fam. I want to let you know that I am officially taking on health coaching clients, and I would love to talk to you if you have ever thought about wanting to dial in and up-level your health. So you will get personalized access to me for three months at least. You can continue later if you want, but send me a message at amanda underscore chills if you want to hear more. Can't wait to talk to you. Y'all, Matt is literally the world's nicest human alive. Like, I don't, if I met Mother Teresa, I would literally turn to Matt and be like, You're so much nicer than her. I don't even care. Um, So, he and I originally filmed this episode, like, months before, and because I am so good at what I do, I never downloaded the video. So, I reached out to him, and he very graciously allowed me to interview again. So, now, this is our second time interviewing, right? And I didn't press record, (laughs) Or I had pressed record and it stopped and I didn't notice that I had stopped recording. So we are now two and a half hours in to this interview that originally was done, by the way. I just didn't record it. So he <laughs> so I went ahead and just put the the audio up when I realized that it wasn't recording, uh, so that you know that I am also not perfect. I screw up. I do things wrong, but we persevere because what else are we going to do? Um, so you're going to hear me having like a little mild low key meltdown and him being very calm and very steady. And again, oh, so graciously agreeing to record it a third time. So I actually think the third time is the best time. Um, So so here you guys go. This is Amanda, um, I would say at her finest, but, you know, maybe not at my finest, but definitely at one of my most real. So please enjoy a laugh at my expense, because I love you. Going to kill myself. When did it stop recording? (laughs) I am going to literally jump off a fucking bridge. I hate. Why? My life. Okay.
1: So no. why is this like somebody <laughs> does not want this to happen, and so that is all the reason that it has oh to. My God. What is I hate your- my life. life.
0: Do
1: you have time to do it again right now.
0: Oh my. But I do. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> it started though, right? It did It I did started.
0: See- I remember it said start record. God, I hate my life. I kept watching the time and I was like, Oh, we're at fifty nine minutes. Oh, this is so
1: <laughs> Jesus oh, man. Christ. This is awesome because this is what I have to look forward to when I start my own podcast <laughs> of how things you subscribe.
0: know what? You'll you never I hope this never happens to you. I hate my life. Starting, I swear it, it recorded. I hope you enjoyed my low-key meltdown. (laughs) Oh, bless this interview. Seriously, bless Matt for letting me record it three times, guys. The things that I go through to bring you value. Um, Matt is a totally dope dude from Canada. He talks about MS and... Having he is expecting his boy in this episode pretty soon to be born and how he got started really building a community of MS people um, and and what it means for him. So y'all enjoy it is a this is this was the best recording. Um, Tell me what you think. OK, hello, okay. podcast fam. God, you guys are in. For a treat. So, Matt and I actually recorded about two months ago. And because I'm ADHD and my brain is a bag of cats, I was like, oh, I'll I'll download it tomorrow. And I should have known that I was lying because I completely forgot to download it. So, I reached out to Matt, like, you know, a few days ago, and I said, oh my God, Matt, I'm so sorry. Can we record again? And he, oh so graciously said you know what yeah I have the day off I'm the world's nicest guy and so we can record again and you guys this is the third time we're trying this because he and I just spent an hour talking for an episode and I never I either pressed record and it stopped recording so now I'm gonna watch it like a hawk or I never pressed record and we didn't Save the conversation. So third time's the charm, Matt. Right. I'm just going to call you that for life now. Like, you're, you're no longer Matt. You're just third time's the charm. Um, we're attempting again. And so you guys have, we have, we're pros now at Matt being interviewed and me interviewing him because we've done it three times. So instead of jumping off a bridge, we're going to adapt and roll with it. Welcome, Matt. Matt. For their first time and <laughs> my third time.
1: I, did, I feel like this is great because now we're just going to take the best pieces of all exactly. of the interviews and lump them together and, you know, your audience in for a treat. Right. Uh,
0: but here's yeah. the problem. I never remember what I say after it comes out of my mouth. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only one that struggles with that. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah.
0: Bag of cats in my brain 24-7. Oh. <laughs> like
1: well thank you again for taking the time and no thank and you having me here. this is uh, it's awesome. I, I love what you're doing. Um, Hashtag
0: podcast fail into a podcast success guys.
1: yes this is this is gonna be good.
0: I feel like it, like it actually sets us up because something we've talked about the other two times we've attempted to do this is how you just roll with things when they come up. So let's talk about that after you tell us who you are.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, rolling with the punches—that's that's kind of my mantra. That's that's yeah. what I do every day. Um, but my name is Matt. I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, up here in the the winter wonderland. And uh, just for all you Americans, uh, I live about 250 miles north of Montana. Mm. Uh, so I got the Rocky Mountains, a lot of great outdoors and and that's one of my passions one of the things i love is being outdoors i love i love shooting and and fishing and uh hiking is something that i haven't been able to do in a long time but it's something that i do enjoy um Mm -hmm. and uh yeah we just have like those great rocky mountains here so we we definitely like to get out to those um
0: mountains are like a whole mood
1: yeah they are and it's like my my wife said you know when we're getting married I need either the mountains or the ocean but she prefers the ocean um so we settled on the mountains because they're close (laughs) (laughs) but it turned in some beautiful photos so everything was good um but uh yeah kind of the last thing about me is uh I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2012 and uh I just I just have a huge passion for helping people and so that's why I just wear my heart on my sleeve and share who I am with people and my values and and, and my I, I believe my purpose is just to add value to people and and uh, help people get out of that valley that ditch that a lot of people can go in when they're diagnosed with uh, any type of illness or when whenever they're dealing with hardship in life um, we, we all deal with it in our own ways but um, just coming from someone who did it very poorly and then found a much better way to do it I love to to express. How, how much better things are now that I've changed the, my approach to my illness.
0: What is MS for people who don't know?
1: Yeah, so uh, MS stands for multiple sclerosis, and uh, it's an autoimmune disease or uh, a neurological, uh, neurological disease that uh, it attacks the myelin of your brain and uh, also in your spinal cord. Uh, so the myelin is a sheath that covers your cells, your nerves, uh, and I, I explain it best that it's like a coating of a wire. And, and when that coating of the wire gets deteriorated, the, the electrical impulses can't flow through the wire properly. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how most of your nerves work, is it's electrical impulse flowing through it. And, and so it just it, it can cause a lot of havoc in, in just a, a plethora of areas. Uh, I, I often explain it very simply as like the game of Battleship, if anybody's played Ooh. that that game where you, you know, you have your five battleships and, um, sometimes a a flare-up will happen in your brain and it will be like A4. And it's like, oh, that's a miss. It didn't hit anything important. Uh, but sometimes it'll hit and that will either affect your, your mobility or your speech or your ability to swallow or, um, you know, nerve pain. There, there's so many different symptoms and, and every person's symptoms are, are their own. There's a lot that are common, but there are some that are very uncommon, and so it's it's hard to get diagnosis. It's um it's not something that we know a lot about the cause of, and and so it is very difficult to uh, to get a diagnosis. Some people will take take years just to even get a confirmed diagnosis, but yeah, um, it's very prevalent in North America. Canada has the largest population of multiple sclerosis in the world, and they don't know why that is. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's something that has plagued my family for three generations. I'm the third generation of males to have MS. And, uh, yeah, I just, I want to advocate for people that are suffering and, and, uh, try to help them through it. So,
0: yeah. so that is MS. Now you said in your explanation that when you were first diagnosed, you didn't deal with it in a very helpful way. Um, what was that like when you first got diagnosed?
1: I felt absolutely hopeless, um, and, and it was a very dark despair of, of how I felt when I was first diagnosed. So I, I resorted to the only coping mechanism I knew, which was alcohol, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to escape. I wanted to numb the pain, um, and, and, and I, I used alcohol in a, in a very destructive way. Um. But that was what made me kind of feel okay. Um, we all have our own ways of, of adapting and dealing with pain and and some are some are more beneficial than others. And this one was a very destructive way for me to deal with
0: it. And yeah, something I say a lot and I think I said it the last two times we interviewed is substances work unfortunately, too well. So if you're overwhelmed, like, I think one of the biggest compassionate um, spaces people can exist in is understanding that when we are overwhelmed, we will do anything, anything to stop the pain. And many, many people turn to substances because they literally They work exactly as they're designed and it's a little too well. But if we never turn and face it, if we never change our mindset, if we never say, you know what, I don't have control over this, but I also don't have to suffer all the time, then people so easily get lost in that substance world because every time you come down, every time you start to get sober, reality slaps you in the face with a giant fish. So like, not only are you slapped in the face, it's like with a fish. So it's like a double insult. So you have to then not be sober in order to just avoid it. And it's, it's such a cycle that people, anyone, I don't care who they are, like anyone can slip into. And I think a lot of people forget, like we're one trauma away from dealing with it in, in perhaps a very destructive way.
1: Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, uh yeah, it, it is a vicious cycle. You know, when you get slapped in the face with that fish, it can often lead you back into that coping mechanism again because it and and then the cycle repeats and and that's exactly where I was for for a long time and it was it was a dark place. Um, and and that's that's kind of my calling now is I don't I don't want other people to have to suffer in that darkness.
0: Yeah, something you said. <laughs> an hour ago Which time? i'm never gonna get over the fact that we didn't record and i lost the original one but i think this is gonna be better anyway um you said you turned your test into your testimony and i think that is such a powerful statement even if you're not religious that to say like yeah this is what i've been given but sometimes a box of darkness is also a gift does that make sense
1: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Sorry, I'm just wrapping my head around that one. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's. Without multiple sclerosis, I don't know where I'd be today. Mm. Um, And and that's kind of a weird thing to think that Mm. um, I was already suffering with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I, I was already suffering with substance abuses, and multiple sclerosis for me was like the wake-up call of like,
0: mm-hmm. what are
1: you doing? I still proceeded to use it as a coping mechanism for years.
0: That's all you knew.
1: But it was that eye-opener for me of like, whoa, this life is short.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I need to make the best of it. And and it was, it was that... I I like to say God will either hit you with a metaphor or a two by four and and, uh, MS was the two by four that hit me and and pointed me in the right direction. It took me. It wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't like, uh, hey, you're diagnosed and your whole life changes. It was it was uh, a lot of struggle, a lot of darkness, a lot of pain to finding myself, finding God and and starting to make a transition. To where I am today, where I live my life joyfully, hopefully, mm-hmm. and thankfully.
0: What was that transition process like? Like, what did you have to do in order to make that transition for anyone who's like, well, that's easy for him to say, he is religious or he, blah, blah, blah. Like, we always, people will make excuses to why we can't do things. And if you're listening, they're horse shit. And two, other people do it, you can do it. But what do you specifically have to, like, I want to say come to Jesus with and be like, oh, ooh, that needs to change. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it was it was the realization that I'm unhappy in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm trying to remember this this quote, and it's so good. And now I think I'm going to botch it because I can't think of it.
0: Somebody um, will correct us. So don't
1: worry. <laughs> you you will only change when the pain of the same is greater than the pain of change.
0: Love that. Yeah. I easy to say you only change when you're too miserable. Yes. Like you have to be a certain amount of miserable to change.
1: And, and, and that doesn't, it's, it's not like, yeah, dive further into your misery and then you will come out of it. Um, it's, it's just having an awareness to your life. And, Mm -hmm. and, and for me, it was like a light bulb moment of like, I'm not happy in doing what I'm doing and I keep on the cycle of pain and then I numb it with alcohol and then I get so drunk that I do something stupid and then I wake up regretting and then I I numb the pain of regret with again and then
0: the
1: the cycle repeated and then it just, it it finally came to a point where I realized that alcohol wasn't actually helping anything, it was making matters worse. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: I was just, and, and and, and and that was the thing is I I had to actually acknowledge that there was a problem and I know that's kind of the cliche of like step one is but a, it's it's true. A that there's a problem but but it was it was really just becoming aware of my thoughts becoming aware of my actions and and going down a personal growth journey where I was diving into a lot of uh, personal growth books personal development I wanted to become better yeah and, and that was the first thing that really shocked me was like the question of like why do you do what you do mm. and 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 I was on autopilot just doing what I've always done mm-hmm. and then once I became aware of my subconscious mind aware of the habits that I have in place that I've developed over time uh, it just it just I, I could really look at a larger picture oftentimes I went through life just kind of blind to it all and I was just going through life um, but then when I started to analyze and started to dive deeper in into myself it just became apparent that there were some things that needed to change in me if I wanted to go to where I wanted to go and that was to a joyful life because I was unhappy
0: I love that so a couple of things that I'm pulling out of that one you realized I'm miserable right I kind of likened that to like in me when I realize that something is very very wrong I feel like my soul shrivels up and I'm just like no. Like, that's what my brain does when I'm just like, oh, no, this is not good. And then I'm like, okay, well, now I have to pay attention to that because my soul is screaming. So, one, you realize something is wrong. And I think a lot of people, my mom's coming in, I think a lot of people have that awareness but they're, they don't listen. So then their body has to get louder, which is where people have crashes with depression or a breakdown or a panic attack. Like, hello, your body's trying to tell you something. And two, it sounds like you realized you have the power to change your behaviors, to put your attention where it's going to be more valuable to you.
1: Right. And, and that was (laughs) just something that I realized that I, I may not be able to change my life in an instant, in a moment, but consistency over time, I can make great changes. But it all starts in a day, like that whole like Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. Your best life. It's it's going to take time and consistency of your efforts. Um, but but the first thing was really just becoming becoming aware of yes. what is actually going on in my life. Mm-hmm. How many people can actually have that like that inner thought of like what why do I do what I do anyone
0: if they practice it it's just a practice
1: I I mean today how many people can actually actually have asked themselves that question I guess is what I'm more trying to say that's a
0: better question yeah yes don't Um, not enough
1: I recommend you do that why do I do what I do and and it's to a point where like sometimes I'll wake up I'll walk into the basement and I'll just pick up the video games. I'll turn them on. And it's like, wait, when did I decide I was going to do this? When <laughs> yeah. did this even happen? It's just something that was just like on autopilot. And I, my subconscious mind made the decision and I just went with it. How many other things am I on autopilot all day? And it's actually yeah. giving me a bad result.
0: Yeah. So I love that. So I think the piece that a lot of people miss when they start assessing their behaviors is having compassion. And that's something I teach a lot about is like we do the things that we do because at some point we either watch someone do it, we're taught to do it, or it helped us. So for example, drinking alcohol, right? It protected you for a long time from experiencing your emotions and being uncomfortable and having to face those things. And so, so many of the things that we do, especially the unhelpful things at some point helped us. And because our brain is gremlins, it's like, Oh, if this works once, it'll work for everything. But that's not always true. Oftentimes what we do to cope with an overwhelming event, if we don't have very specific helpful skills in place, will be destructive. And so just having the awareness, you're so right of saying like, why do I do this? Is it actually helping me create a life that I am happy with? And I meet so many people who really genuinely believe that life is misery. And it's not happy. And we're made to I literally had a client once be like, well, you work forever, and then you die. And that's life. And I was like, I literally asked her, I said, says who? Who taught you that? And she's like, well, that's all I've seen. And I'm like, that doesn't mean that that's all there is. That's just all you've seen, right? So just having the awareness of like, your thoughts are not truth. Most of the time you're taught them. You learn them from somewhere, but most people never question their thoughts. They never think, is this thought even useful? They just believe them. And that sounds like where you were. And then through that journey, you started saying, do I even like these thoughts? Do they jam with my life or should I eat these out the window? Which is much more valuable.
1: And I had to throw a lot of things out that window.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes.
1: But I also got really consumed with that or like intimidated by that of like, man, look how many things I need to change. Yeah. But but that's where you're never going to be perfect. Right. Throw that out with it, please. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to do this all right. Right. But I I just, the the thing that I wanted to accomplish was I want to be a little bit better today than I was yesterday. Stop this whole comparison to the rest of the world crap. Stop comparing everything I do to everyone around me. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to please everyone around me because that's never going to happen. Yeah. And just live me, do me, do my best life and try to be a little bit better than I was yesterday. And now we're five years later and I'm actually happy.
0: Love that. I love that. This interview is taking such a different turn than the last one. I'm just like, all of these have been so good, but I'm just like here for them so much. Now that process stemmed from you being diagnosed, going through, I call it the swamp, right? You were in the swamp, waist deep, alligators, or I don't know what alligators do. They bite, they were biting you and you're like, I hate this but you have to walk yourself out of the swamp, right? So five years later, you're having a life that you like, you, it sounds like live a good portion of your life on your own terms. How do you deal with that? Because MS has no cure, it has no, um, what's it called? Cause, like, how did you come to terms with in a chronic illness that you can't really pinpoint what to do, or I imagine some things you do help sometimes, but not all the time. And so then figuring that out can be kind of a dance. How mm-hmm. do you manage the symptoms and not really knowing a clear path on what to do?
1: I was a control freak. I wanted full control in every aspect of my life.
0: Mm.
1: And and I understand that many many people listening to this may not have a faith, so I'm not going to approach it in 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 my faith journey, because when I went through this part of the journey, I didn't know God yet. Um, But what I had to do is I had to give up this false sense of control that I had over my life. um, Because you're not in control of every aspect of your life. You can control as much as you can. But there's still variables that are out of your control. Mm -hmm. And just that it's unfortunate thing of life that things aren't always going to go the way that you want. Um, but it's how we handle our response to that situation. That's, that's where we have power. And that's where we have control is, is in how we handle those situations. And so, um, I didn't have control over getting MS. I didn't have control that, um, I've, I've been witness to alcoholism in my family. And that was the coping mechanism that I've seen. And that's, that's where that seed was planted, that I was able to find something that numbs the pain. Um, that I totally lost my train of thought. I don't remember where I was going with that one.
0: <laughs> How you deal with an illness that so much of it is out of your control. And there's no set cure or um, cost.
1: Right. So I, I wasn't in control of that other variable. Yeah. And, and so for me, it was just just being okay with not having control of everything. And and just controlling what I can, and that's that's my own attitude. Um, that's where I made a choice every day to be a victor and not a victim, and and that was that was my choice, and that's a choice that I make every day. Do I make it perfectly? No. Are there some days that I have a pity party? Yes, and and that's okay too. Um, but I want there to be more victor days than victim days. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes I need to make that decision a hundred times in a day. And if I have to, so be it. Some days I can't make that decision. Some days I just, I need to just be sad. Some some days that's all I can do. And that's okay too. And, and just not having this, again, that's another sense of control that we need to have a perfect mentality that we need to be Mm -hmm. this, this unrealistic expectation that's another form of control that we want this perfect life Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but that but nothing's ever going to be perfect in this life and so we just like i said we got to roll with the punches and that's that's kind of what i do every day is and and just give yourself some grace like stop Mm -hmm. being so damn hard on yourself yeah this life this life is hard enough without you making it harder
0: on yourself oh my god it's like you're in my brain (laughs) (laughs) when i talk to people all the time it's one thing to have awareness, but another thing to have compassionate awareness and to say like, you know what, not all of my thoughts or patterns of behaviors or responses are helpful or the best thing to do in the scenario, but we're all doing the best we can. And life is so hard without beating ourselves up and beating yourself up is a learned behavior. Like that's completely unhelpful. So yeet that out the window too. like beating yourself up is not motivating, but so many of us learn that shame is the way to change behaviors because that's what we saw growing up. And so once people get to the, the, uh, the point place place, once people get to the place where they're like, it's okay that I screwed up. I can try again tomorrow. It's okay that I'm sad today. I'm gonna fully embody that feeling and allow myself to be sad. And tomorrow, tomorrow maybe I can do something, but today it's just not happening. And that's so much more important when your, your best, right, in quotes, changes so much depending on what your symptoms are doing that day. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's some nuggets for people to, to really think on those ones.
0: Chicken nuggies.
1: Oh, I love them. So nuggies.
0: good. Dude, I always buy the dinosaur shaped nuggets because I'm an adult and I can and they're the best.
1: They're just better. I don't know what it is.
0: T- yeah, I-, I don't care. It tastes better. Yeah. They, you know what? Tyson, like, at me. I want to I want to be a sponsor for you, for your dinosaur nuggs. They're the best.
1: I don't know if we have those in Canada. I have not <laughs> seen dinosaur chicken nuggets in what, what seems ages and that makes me sad.
0: I'm so sad for you. They're the they're the best. They taste better. Um let me see. What else? I, I have I struggle to like remember what we talked about this time versus what we talked about last time. Um
1: Well, we've only had two and a half hours of conversation, so
0: I know. <laughs> um, oh, what is it like living with a disability that not everyone can see?
1: It's it's hard. Um it's very hard when I, I see the people that I love most and they say you look fine, and I'm like, I want to punch you um, Because I'm in so much pain, right? And yet and yet people don't know and and uh, I, I just I just had to remove this expectation on people to understand mm-hmm. um, if, if someone has a compassionate heart and they they desire to understand that's one thing. I'm I'm happy to help them understand sure. what I'm going through and and how they could best support me. Um, if if someone's just coming at it that like, well, you seem fine or you look fine or they they come to this place of mm-hmm. of of almost like judgment or or mm-hmm. doubting if you're actually being honest. And like if if you're gonna t- question my character like that, then I'm not gonna open up and even give you that right to know right. what I'm struggling with.
0: Right. Um.
1: And and of, of course, those are two two extremes. There's a lot of people in the middle, and so there, there's a lot of gray area that we need to navigate through. Um, but but the most important thing that I did for myself was I stopped caring about what they think. Mm-hmm. And and that's not an easy thing to do. It's not something that again I just made the decision and it's done. It's I, I always say I'm a recovering people pleaser. Yeah. I lived my life pleasing everyone else and not thinking about myself for so long that i know i always told myself that it was selfish if i actually looked at like what do i want and and i had this guilt carrying and and then turn the table over and i was like no i'm gonna i only get to live this life once i'm gonna do it right i'm gonna do it the way that i want to and you're
0: gonna do it the way it's right for you
1: yeah and and who is someone else to judge that that's they don't in, in my opinion, they don't have that right to judge
0: right.
1: Um, my, my life. And so just taking, taking, not giving that power to others, they, they're still going to You're in let let them judge. That's, yes. that's, you don't have power to dictate what I'm going to do with, right. with that. Or, and also or, who cares? And way easier said than done. The oh, opinions sure. of others hurt. It does. I, you know, um, they, they always said, the, like, sticks and stones may have broken my bones, but words will never hurt me. Where I don't remember somebody punching me when I was a kid. I remember some hurtful things that were said mm-hmm. to me, and that stung a heck of a lot more than the sticks okay. and stones. So I hate that saying.
0: Yeah, uh, that saying is super false. But I think the I – first of all, you're, like, in my brain. I love that you're making this point. One of my favorite sayings is, like, die mad about it. Because if you make a decision that you know is in alignment with you – not a fear-based decision, but an alignment-based decision, literally everyone in your life can die mad about that decision. Like, what power do they have? Now, there's some nuance to that, right? If you decide to move to South America and your job is like, no, you're not doing that, well, you know, there obviously there's nuance to that decision, but like, if you make a decision that's right for you and other people just don't like it, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: what power do they have over your life other than what we give them? Does that make sense? And I find that so many people pleasers are taught to outsource their power. They're taught that they're responsible for other people's emotions and happiness. And it's completely backwards. Like we may make someone feel a certain way. Like if I you know if i call you like an an ugly hag like i'm gonna hurt your feelings but also my words only have the power that we give them we can acknowledge the feeling we're experiencing but allowing someone to live inside our head rent-free is a choice and so many people just aren't even aware that like they have the choice to be like i don't care what you think because you're not my partner you're not my parent you're not someone who actually adds value to my life and so why would i give you the power over my choices like it's such a disempowering thing to care what other people think Mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, and i will say that also like you you said that like parents and spouses um and, and, and you use that as a label as somebody that may actually be able to speak into you but that may also not be the case right um, and 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 often we have to look at the motives of someone's heart. It's like mm-hmm. is that person actually giving me this advice because they love and care about me and want the best for me?
0: Right. Or
1: is there an alternative motive? Is is there another reason that they're that they're giving me this this opinion? And then also reflecting internally of like why why did that hurt me so much? Mm, why did that yes. person's opinion have so much weight? And yes. and that's again something where as you start on that journey and you start to reflect, you're going to dig up a lot of crap Mm -hmm. and it's going to be messy. It's going to be dirt and it's, and it's, it's not fun, but it's not fun, but it is freeing. Once you clear all that out, it is so free.
0: Yeah. I literally like the things you say are things I teach all the time. So I actually call it digging the rot out or I call it appropriately burying a dead body. Like if you bury a dead body wrong, I'm going to sound like a serial killer, but if you bury a dead body wrong, like, it's coming up and it stinks and it affects your whole life. But if you bury it appropriately, it ain't coming up. You just lay it to rest. It's the same process. And so then we come back to the awareness where it's, what am I thinking? What is my reaction? Why am I having this reaction? And that can be so helpful to just understanding ourselves and like tuning our own internal compass. And once we start saying, well, why, why do I do this? Then we can, you know, emphasize with other people and say, well, why do they do this? And something I notice is a lot of parents will, especially if kids are making very like independent or risky decisions, depending on like the parents upbringing, they may love and support them and want what's best for them, but they only see it from their perspective. So like, for example, if a kid wants to start a business and the parent says, well, that seems risky, you should work for the company forever and retire from there. And it's like, that may be true for you and you may love and support me and really think you're helping but that doesn't mean that your truth is mine
1: right and it, and it's also like i love what you said like tuning that. what did you say tuning the internal compass
0: yeah so once we start tuning our internal compass and we start paying attention to what we're feeling and why we're feeling that people get so like i have never met anyone and i don't think I think bar none, people know what's best for them, whether people know how to tune into that is a is a different skill. But once people start tuning in and saying, how does this decision feel? Not what do I think about this decision? What do I feel about the decision? I have never had anyone have that steer them wrong if they're honest about what they're feeling. And then it makes it easier to say, well, I don't agree with the advice you're giving me because I know this is right for me. I feel it, that this is the right decision. And so I just call it tuning your internal compass. Okay.
1: Yeah, and that's, and that's not to say that there's not value in other people's perspectives. And, and, right. and, like, and that's where there's, like in, in all of this that we're talking about, there's this huge gray area that you want to live in. You don't want to go ditch to ditch. You want to walk the path right. um, and, and find that balance between it all. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think what Amanda and I are both saying um, is, is really it comes down to awareness of self that yes. that a lot of it's going to be looking looking more at yourself than you do at others mm-hmm. where in society it's so often the other way around like
0: yes. you can
1: scroll through somebody else's facebook feed or their instagram feed and 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 you could basically live in someone else's life yes. and live in this comparison and this resentment rather than just actually living in your own life and enjoying it and it's yeah and it's just it's a it's an odd place that we live in at times yes. um, because it's I, I think every um, every generation has come with its fair share of, of troubles and issues. And I think we just live in one that because we have so much access to information more than ever in history, it, it can be a blessing or a curse. Right. And, and it can really fuel this. Yeah, this toxic comparison, this. Uh, you know what are other people going to think because in most people's situation your entire life is posted and right. and, and right. visible to other people where that was never the case before there was right. there was privacy before and that is sometimes not the case now and and uh, and so when when you're making a decision where you feel like you're under a spotlight mm. it you, you bring in so many other people's opinions when yep. When yours is probably the last one that's that's actually asked. And it should be the first. Should be the
0: first. 100% of the time, it should be the first. Like I deal with clients a lot who, especially if you're a people pleaser, right? This is something I deal with a lot, is that they'll give me a reason. They want to do something. Oh, I just want to stay in. And then they'll list a thousand reasons. I'm so tired. I'm at work. I have blah, 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 blah. like literally 10 reasons. And I'm just like what if you didn't justify your decisions and you just said, I want to stay home because I want to stay home. And they're like deer in the headlights. Like they've never heard that they can just make a decision because that's the decision they want. Like I live in North Carolina. Now I'm from Florida, grew up in Florida, born and raised crazy state, always knew that I would not stay there. Don't know why. It just wasn't for me. So I get asked all the time, Why did I move to North Carolina? Why did you buy a farm? Like I didn't grow up on a farm. I was just like, I'm going to have a farm and it's going to be dope. And the answer that I give people is always like, because I wanted to. That was the right decision. Like my compass, I was really lucky. My compass was tuned really early for some reason, but I was always really connected to my intuition. And so I would just do things because I'm like, well, this is the right thing to do. Like, I don't really question that because I know it's right. And once people get to that space and it does start with awareness, this is like such a good theme for today. It's like awareness, I love this. Once you start saying like, how do I actually feel about what I'm doing? It's kind of like when you notice a crack in the wall, you can't ignore it now. You can't walk by it and not see it. So eventually you're gonna be so pissed off about that crack in the wall that you're gonna do something about it. And all of those things start with awareness.
1: Right. Well, and then, and then the other thing is um, it, it's going to take time for some people to really tune that compass oh, uh, yeah. and to trust your own decision making. But that's where you need someone in your corner that you know their heart, you know that they're going to give you the best advice for you and, and, and make sure that you have that, that, that go-to, that support, yeah. whoever is that is. That's
0: funny because I actually encourage people not to seek advice if they are chronic advice takers because they like it, well, okay. So I say never, but most of the time, right? Like spend some time figuring out what feels right for me and then filter other people's advice Uh, because people only give advice from the level of their own understanding and they, many people don't have the skill for saying, well, what do you think? what do you, this is what I would suggest, but it's kind of like a buffet. You don't have to take what I suggest just because it's on the buffet. Only pick it up if you like it. A lot of people don't have that skill. So for me, I think don't go to people, go to people who give you advice without being upset if you don't take it. Does that make sense?
1: And that, and that's what I mean by those people yeah. that that will give you advice that's best for you where it's not forceful, it's not judgmental. Yeah. And and the reason the reason that I'm advocating that is because if if someone just takes this advice and says like oh I'm just gonna do anything that I want to do if if I went with my gut on like what I want to eat for dinner I'd be having ice cream and cake and and cheesecake and desserts and candy and like it would I would I would be 650 pounds yeah Um, and and so it's I'm I'm more advocating for again like ditch to ditch, like somebody that just takes yeah. this to a whole nother extreme where yeah. it, that that's all I'm trying to do is just just advocate sure. that there there is still power in community. There is still power in getting people's perspectives. But yes. at the end of the day it's your life. So okay. um yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, there's definitely a gray area. Everything guys, listen, everything we say is nuanced. Like don't be like, Amanda said I can do whatever I want, so I'm going to rob a bank. Like, sure didn't. Don't do that. <laughs> no, thank you.
1: Did not say bury dead bodies.
0: Do <laughs> I did not saying. say kill people and bury their bodies appropriately. What I mean is the stuff that comes up for you, we want to lay it to rest appropriately. A dead body is just a good metaphor. I'm sure people are like, uh, you have a lot of land out here. Are you sure you don't got dead <laughs>
1: Yeah. But you have some cute goats. So that's pretty cool. Oh, my God. The goats are so cute.
0: Oh, that's something I wanted to talk about. So like doing things despite not wanting to. Right. So like I have goats. We are bottle feeding some babies. Well, one baby who doesn't care if I'm tired, if I'm asleep. He don't give a if. He is hungry and he needs to eat. So it's such a good practice. And the other thing we were talking about last time is animals is just witnesses. And maybe we'll do that after, but it's really good practice when you have an animal because like they don't care if you're tired, they still got to eat and go potty, you know, especially dogs. It's not like they, I mean, some people, I guess have like the puppy pads, but in general dogs have to go out. So doing things despite not wanting to is such a good practice. And that's how people really build the lives that they want is like, I'm not always motivated. I'm sure you're not always motivated. Maybe like Dwayne Johnson is always motivated. um, Hashtag, like, listen, if you're listening, Dwayne Johnson, let me interview you. You're the best. Um, but people aren't always motivated, so we have to be disciplined. Right.
1: Hmm. Hmm. What else? Good talk. <laughs> Great talk. I <laughs> had so many conversations. Like, which did you, you this in what? this conversation? Or was it the <laughs> last?
0: Yeah. Right Well, let's talk about your family. So you have a wife who you rave about, which I love so much, and she's had to adjust to your disability. And I know she's pregnant and due very soon. So talk to us about that and what it was like, you know, getting into a relationship and getting serious and having her witness and then deciding to have a kiddo.
1: Yeah. So my wife is a firecracker. She is an amazing woman and has a heart of gold um she is a powerhouse um and uh i just i just love how how her and i connected and uh we just connected just heartfully like we both just love to help people and that that's our desire in this life she has a big calling for young women as she was a lost young woman and she just wants to help and and me too i was such a lost young man um and it, it, it it was a lot from our upbringing um we we just weren't really raised the traditional way i guess um where where we had um like our our families were of course our mothers and fathers were both largely involved in our upbringing but for me i was i was raised by my mother and um for my wife shannon like she got a lot of her influence from her father Mm -hmm. Uh, and so she didn't really relate to a lot of young women and i didn't relate to a lot of young men and so Uh, it was very polarizing and we, we kind of took a, a different approach, like, especially when we came together as man and wife. Like it's, it's funny that, um, you know, when I'm counseling with men that I can see the wives' perspectives easier <laughs> than I can see the men's just because, yeah. you know, I was raised with, like, I was, I was raised to feel my emotions and, yeah. uh, you know, raised by, uh, largely influenced by my mother. Yeah. Um. And and so it's just a funny dynamic in our home where things things are not the the kind of the the gender role normal I guess where we we each take on our own responsibilities but uh, it, it's very cool because now like that just gives us such a, a better way to help people because we just have this intuition where uh, we we can see things from the other perspective. Yeah, love and, that. Um, I always Jesus saw that as a weakness right as like oh I'm I'm this feminine young boy like this sucks and now it's like oh that's the greatest gift I could have that
0: strength yeah
1: I, I can actually help a lot of men actually hey you know it's okay to feel things yeah mm-hmm. you can actually talk about your emotion don't cop out and yeah. say that you can't that's crap um, yeah and so um got, got a little off topic there but that's just a little insight into my wife and I but coming together and uh, me, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Uh, if, if I meet you at the grocery store, I'll tell you my life story if you ask. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just who I am. I, I just love to talk to people. Um, and, and so when when Shannon and I met, I was very vocal about my illness and, mm-hmm. uh, and what I was struggling with. And, and at the time it wasn't visible because I didn't have uh, a lot of uh, visible symptoms. Um, but she was very supportive. She sought to understand um, and, and just always asked, like, how, how she can be a support to me. And so when I lost my ability to walk and I was walking on crutches and I, I was partially blind in one eye, um, she had to take on uh, not, not so much a caregiver role, but emotionally she mm. was my support. And, yeah. and that was very, very hard for her. And, and it it took her really opening up about her pain and seeing me in pain and how hopeless she felt in my illness, um, that that's really what I advocate to people is like, she, she's had this guilt that she, she shouldn't be the one that's feeling all this because she's not the one with this illness. And, and, and I totally understand that perspective, but at the end of the day, like we're in this together. Right. And, and so um, just just to hear her perspective and, and hear how much this pains her to see me in pain. Um, it, it's I'm not there to fix the problem. I'm there to listen and to hear her perspective
0: yeah. and
1: just so that we can work together as a team and we can find um, there's not always a solution, but we can you know, we can just talk about things and get through it. And now the, the roles are reversed with her in her pregnancy where she's in a lot of pain and now I'm feeling hopeless of like what can I do to help you and um, so we we just we just come with just a servant heart and we just come mm-hmm. in to, to be the best advocates and supporters for one another I love and that. we we have a very a very loving home and and I I give all the credit to our parents of how we were raised and they did the best job that they could and yeah. and uh, they they created a very strong young woman and and, uh, and a very strong young man. So we we, yeah. we get together and we're a powerhouse. So I'm really excited for the impact well, that we make.
0: I think you're so right. Like one of the best ways that we can support people is not always to do something for them. It's just to witness.
1: Yeah. And I was the problem solver. Right. My wife came to me like, hey, this is bugging me. I'm like, oh, well, here's the solution. Here you go. <laughs> Wrapped in a package. Here you go. Right. All need to do. Like, it's so obvious. Just do this um and she hated that yeah and i'm sure there's a lot of women that can relate to that uh, i'm sure a lot of yeah. men can relate to that too right. um but yeah we, we,
0: witnessing uh, so healing
1: we're not supposed to fix everything we're just sometimes we seem to be present
0: yeah sometimes we just hold people's hand through it and that's all
1: yeah
0: is hey you're sad and all exist with you right i love that and then we're back to like awareness and embodying, and like it's okay to feel things. Like you're struggling. I'm not gonna try and change that. I'm just gonna sit.
1: Yeah. Seek to understand.
0: Powerful. Mhm. Mmm. Mm. Now tell us where people can find you. How yeah. People so interact with you. And uh, tell us about your Instagram. We never we never got to that.
1: Um. So I created an Instagram page uh, a few months ago. I I started posting my art. Uh, I love art. I like to paint and draw, and uh, just I've loved art for a long time. I used to take art classes when I was younger, and and so I I just wanted to make a page to post my art. I'm not I'm uh, largely involved in social media, so this was a new thing for me to get really jumping in. Um, But I, I started posting my art, and there was a lot of interest in. Uh, purchasing some of my art. So uh, I was like, you know what? Uh, I could do this for a good cause so I uh, I Decided that any art that I sold I would uh, donate all of the profits to the MS Society. It, it gives me a way to uh, Pursue something that I love that I'm passionate mm-hmm. about and still support uh, a community. That's added a lot of value to me through my MS cool. uh, So my my Instagram page is uh, underscore art for MS underscore and it's the number four. And, yeah. uh, and it, it's quickly become something different. So when I posted all of my art, and, and I, I was like, Oh, this is a pretty cool idea that I could see going somewhere. Um, and, and a lot of friends have been supportive, and I've gone in their homes and like designed a, a painting for their wall or whatever I do. And, and uh, just as the interest has grown, I was like, man, this could could really be something. And then I was on Instagram one day and I just searched the hashtag multiple sclerosis and I just reading these people's posts and and seeing all this content that came up to do with multiple sclerosis it just made me feel hopeless mm-hmm. and 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 I could just feel the emotion of the people on the other end of the screen of of how hopeless they feel and and it took me back to where I originally began in my MS journey of how hopeless I felt and yeah. And, and I realize, and, and that's and that's by no judgment to those people that are feeling that pain um, in any way, shape, or form. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but to somebody who is just diagnosed, I didn't want the only thing for them to see on social media is hopelessness. Right. And, and so I, I took it upon myself that I wanted to share a brand of hope. And I wanted to advocate that there's power in your mind that, that you it. can make a difference in your illness by using all of the tools that are at our resources of mm-hmm. uh, what we know about mental health today, what we know about dieting, what we know about exercise, mm-hmm. uh, and, and what we know about medications for multiple sclerosis. There are ways to combat against your illness, and it's not uh, what what I often say is that it may be for life, but it's not a life sentence. Yeah. And Just because you have been labeled with multiple sclerosis, it does not mean it has to be a wheelchair. Um, And and that I'm I'm just trying to advocate hope to people and that um, you, you can overcome. You can still live a joyful life regardless how far your MS progresses. You can still find joy.
0: Yeah. Dude. Wow. So people can follow you. You, I see you like repost other MS people and like you're really building a community which is all humans are wired for. So, and I think people find so much strength and healing in community is something that more specifically American culture has really lost. Well, more specifically American white culture, but like so much, so many people are disconnected from their community or they find a community that's like, Victimy, you know what I mean like and so that becomes their community but it doesn't have to be so like if people are struggling and they're hopeless like absolutely acknowledge that it's part of the journey it's part of changing it's part of being a human but if you run from all of the unpleasant emotions you also run from all of the good ones and so it is part of the journey but it's not the whole journey and I love that you're just saying you're saying that you're like yeah this is a part of it and honor that and you have to go through this but you don't have to stay there
1: Absolutely and and like I, like I said on the last recording you know I, I love discussion I'm, I'm not yeah. an argumentative person uh, I understand that some of my views may not be your views and that's awesome. I, I would love to discuss that with you like yeah. if anybody wants to reach out and have a discussion have a call like this I'm more than happy to I, I just love people and if there's anything I can do to help, I would love to so feel free to reach out to me send me a message any way that I can add value to you. Amanda, any way that I can add value to anyone else that's uh, listening to this call? It's what I love to do. So yeah. hit me up. Tell me how I can help. If I can promote something, if I can any anyway, I'm I'm just I'm happy to help.
0: I love those like people that are just here to like be of service. Like it's such a it's such a gift and it's such a specific type of person. And it's just like so many like we don't know where those ripples stop, right? So like we don't know. But I I love that concept that you can put one thing out there. And humans are such storytellers that, like, just sharing your story can be a roadmap for someone else. And we never know what that looks like or who that is. But I think it's so powerful. And I love it. Absolutely. Love it. All right, dude. Well, it fully recorded this whole time. I have been watching it every, like... Three seconds,
1: literally. Uh, I'm, I've been looking up at that corner all the time too. I'm for... also
0: gonna post the video where I figured out that we weren't recording. Like I'm just gonna post it at the end of it because I think it's hilarious. That's funny. So you guys get to hear me wig out, you're welcome. And you get to hear Matt be very calming and say, like, it's okay, we'll record it again. I'm just like wanting to jump off a bridge. So
1: it was all it meant was... to be third third times the charm. This was the best one of oh. the three anyway. So I
0: do think this was the best one. Like I'm definitely never going to record another podcast episode three times, hopefully knock on wood, but like,
1: (laughs) I I hope you don't have to do that too, but it was fun. I really enjoyed this. So
0: So let me stop the recording and then I will thank you a million times because you're the best. So underscore art, the number four M S underscore. Correct. Okay. Thank you so much, dude. You are wonderful.
1: Thank you. I love your inquisitive questions. So thank you.
0: Thanks. If you have stuck with me this long, (laughs) I am so proud of you and grateful for you. And just a reminder that not everything goes smoothly, but we make the best of what does come our way. And shameless plug, I'm taking on health coaching clients. So if you're interested in that, this is your son. Get at me. Send me a message on Instagram at Amanda underscore chills, C-H-I-L-S. If you're not interested in it, have a great day and be happy.